the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the eighth morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2020. I would like to start by uh, yielding my time, at least uh, three minutes of my time, to the gentleman from Washington, D.C. Mr. Gorka, you have the floor. Well, let me say what the response will not be, and this is to all the people out there of the 63 million that chose Donald Trump, a non-politician, to be our president because of 18 years of endless wars. There will be no invasion of Iran. There will be no regime change by the 82nd Airborne, but there will be retaliation, and it will be disproportionate because... Iran has been doing this since 1979. The good news is we have such overwhelming capabilities. We are not a superpower anymore, Lou. We are a hyperpower that with standoff capabilities, with our own cruise missiles, with our stealth bombers, with those 52 F-35 fighters that were paraded in an elephant walk across that base today in a very symbolic message about the 52 Americans taken hostage in our embassy for 444 days. This president will cripple, cripple to the ground the regime in Iran. I hope that you are wrong. The math belies the fact that dozens of missiles have been launched, the idea that nobody is wounded is, is hard to expect. God willing, it is like that. But this is an attack on a base where our personnel are stationed. It is attack on us. And we have 
more capabilities than any other nation in the world to respond and this president will be will be responding but more than that it would be reckless of me to posit this is a commander-in-chief who is not Obama he's not Clinton he doesn't telegraph our strategy he doesn't talk about red lines he acts and he does so in the interests of America I yielded my, and actually one three minutes, it was just under two minutes of my time to the gentleman from Washington, D.C., uh, because of what Dr. Sebastian Gorka said last night on Fox News on the Lou Dobbs program. Um, as almost always, maybe I should get rid of the almost, because uh, I can't really think off the top of my head of any time that he has been wrong, so I'll just go ahead and change it to always. Dr. Gorka is spot on. What happened last night was extraordinarily important. It's something that almost needed to happen from this vantage point. Now, I want to be very clear because what I'm trying to do here is explain for Dr. Gorka what he meant. I know I don't need to do that, but this is just in response to the social media torrent against Dr. Gorka. They have decided, have the social media leftists who uh, back Soleimani and back Iran over the United States of America, literally apologizing to them. Uh, They've decided to label Dr. Gorka a warmonger. They've decided to label Lou Dobbs, who had him on, a warmonger, and anybody who supports this mindset, a warmonger, that we are trying to start a war with Iran. That is absolutely, positively not the case. What Dr. Gorka was saying here, what was spot on, is the fact that it's good for us to no longer have the um, cloak of ambiguity over Iran, where some Americans understand them for the threat that they are and that they have been at war with the United States for 40 years. And other Americans think, well, they're not bothering us. Maybe if we just pull our troops out of the Middle East, they won't bother us ever. Uh, you know, it's our doing, and they're just, uh, they just want to be left alone. That is not a misnomer. That is not just a misunderstanding. That's just a flat-out lie. It's just flat-out wrong. What has happened now, as Dr. Gorka was trying to say, and did say for those who are understanding, is that the curtain has been pulled back and everyone knows now. There is no ambiguity. There is no cloak. Everyone knows now who they are and what they are. When they launched those 15 missiles toward the uh, various uh, um, bases in Iraq. Now, this is a foreign country firing missiles from Iran into a foreign country, into Iraq, targeting coalition and American bases. Once they did that, now everyone can see, and no one can possibly defend their aggression and their attacks on innocent people. No one can, there's just no dispute anymore. And and for those who want to say, well, I'll dispute it. it, it was just their retaliation for the killing of Soleimani, you need an education. You do. You need to be educated about what has been going on since 1979 with the Islamic uh, Republic of Iraq, Iran. You need to understand their aggressiveness. You need to know how many times they have targeted the United States and our allies and interests overseas with aggressive, violent, deadly intentions. You need to truly understand that. And what they did last night, despite the fact that they were completely either inept or 
unconvinced that this would be in their best interest. I'll explain those two things in a moment. Despite the fact that no one was killed due to their ineptitude or their lack of, um, of conviction, they have shown that this is what they are capable of and what they are interested in. Now, what kind of response shall we have to their response now that they have laid it all out on the line? Well, I'll just say this. Big mistake, mullahs. You somehow mistook Donald Trump for Jimmy Carter. The reaction and the action that might have been given by a president with the weakness and the the peanut butter spine of a Jimmy Carter, uh, very, very different from the reaction and the action that is going to be taken by Donald Trump. Now, let me say what needs to be said, and I think has been said by virtually everybody that supports President Trump. We don't want a ground war. None of us who are applauding Donald Trump for taking out Soleimani want to see regime change and thousands of boots on the ground in Iran and starting that whole thing again. Nobody wants to see that. Everything that we do do, we want to be done from afar. We want to, do, we want to be done without Americans being in harm's way. We want to be done with drones. We want to be done with, with airstrikes, pre- precision pinpoint airstrikes, uh, in order to cripple the Iranian ability to carry out more attacks on other nations in the region like Iraq and other American uh, assets and allies. That's what we want to do, and that's it. Now to the question. How did they fire some 15 missiles, have four of them hit nothing, and have 11 of them be completely harmless? Are they inept and un, uh, unable to carry out a missile a missile strike to try to kill their enemies? Or was this just a fireworks show? Was this just the Iranian government, the Iranian leadership, the mullahs, the ayatollah, trying to placate the fundamentalists within their nation, trying to say, the great Satan, the United States killed our great general, we fought back. We struck right right at their heart. We, We aimed right at their forces in Iraq. Look how tough we are. Look how big and bad we are. But knowing that they didn't want to kill, knowing they didn't want any casualties, knowing they didn't want to harm any Americans because the response by the non Jimmy Carter in the American White House would be devastating. Now they can claim, well, we struck back for the purposes of their state propaganda. We struck back, but we can say we did so without drawing Donald Trump's wrath and having any more missiles uh, uh, targeted very specifically to some of our leadership the way we did last week with Soleimani. Um, Lieutenant Colonel James Carafano was on Fox News last night describing whether or not we, uh, which of those two things is most likely true. On the story, everybody's making it all about Trump. And mm-hmm. what the, look yeah. what this says about Iran. They just mm-hmm. conducted a massive fireworks demonstration in the desert, yeah, Roman risking handled. killing Iraqis, attacking Iraqi soil. Yeah. That is unbelievably yeah. reckless and provocative. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. to be talking about the president's conduct when we have the most egregious act 
that I, in, in modern memory, this is incredible. So he said it's just that. It's a fireworks demonstration without any intention of killing anybody because they know full well what the response from the United States would be. It would be a full-on uh, retaliatory punishment. And I'm going to use that word punishment because I like it. Because uh, Heritage's Peter Brooks was also on Fox last night on Fox uh, Business talking with Kennedy. And he said that's exactly what is re- required of the United States as a response. Punishment. Well, certainly we, we could take, undertake cyber attacks. And that would be a non-kinetic sort of response that could have, you know, we could shut down their, their oil industry, for instance. We could shut down their, their power system. We could shut down their Internet. But you also have to think about, Kennedy, the effect it has on the Iranian people. Our beef is with the Iranian government, which, in my view, took the first punch at the United States. You know, we, we talked about that series, that sequence of events that you, you so well laid out, but you forgot to mention that starting in October through December, there were 11 or 12 rocket attacks against U.S. forces in mm-hmm. Iraq, besides all those other things. So my view is that Iran threw the first punch. So, But we, we also don't want to alienate the Iranian people. We want to punish the regime, because the Iranian people are victims of that Iranian regime. And- that is very important to understand, and it's, in fact, something we're going to build upon here in the next segment after this time out here. Uh, it is very important to know that the idea here is not to punish the Iranian people who are victims in many ways of, in fact, in almost all ways, of the oppression of the Islamic State that runs the nation of Iran. They are victims. We don't want to kill a bunch of Iranian people. We need to punish the regime. We need to make sure that they know what they do as it pertains to American citizens, as it pertains to American military personnel. If they try to attack or harm anything American, legitimately American or American allies and assets, that the punishment will be swift and it will be severe. We proved it with Soleimani. Will we have to prove it again? That's the question. But what do the real Iranian people feel? How do they feel about what is being done? Are they legitimately cheering death to America and chanting in the streets? Or are they forced to do that by the regime? And do they comply out of fear of being tortured? What do the Iranian people really feel about their Islamic State government and about the United States? I'm going to share more with you on that right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for joining us for the Bob France Authority. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we are going to pivot away from the international issues, including the missile strikes uh, fired from uh, inside of Iran into Iraq and targeting coalition and U.S. bases, uh, targeting sort of, kind of, but hitting no one, killing no one, wounding no one. Was this just Iran's uh, show for its people? And uh, was it, uh, now do they consider the, the slate to be clean? Everything is even? You killed Soleimani, we fired back at you. Now please don't bomb us back into the Stone Ages. Is that the way this is? 
Uh, time will only tell, but we're going to pivot away from that. Uh, coming up here in 10 minutes, Jane Timken is the uh, head of the Republican Party in the state of Ohio. And we're going to talk to her about a couple of issues, including the governor of the state of Ohio, Mike DeWine, making some decisions that just are head scratchers at best. We're going to talk to her about that. And then also about the Ohio Republican Party's direction and how it is that they choose things like endorsements, particularly in state Senate races, because there's another one that has me, again, scratching my head. So we're going to talk to the chair of the Ohio Republican Party, Jane Timken, at 935. Uh, let me get a quick call in here from Ralph in Cleveland before I move on on this issue. Hey, Ralph, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Yes, Ralph. Um, there had to be some communication diplomatically. How did they know not to fire back? How did who not to, know not to fire back? How did how did we know they were going to miss? I mean, they uh, when you're under fire, don't you fire back? Well, this wasn't a firefight. This wasn't like they were hiding around the corner firing at us, and uh, we just hoped that they would miss. I mean, these were these were missile attacks. They were all coordinated very very quickly. It wasn't like they were spread out over the course of hours. Um, and the fact that you know when you fire fifteen missiles, four of them miss, and the eleven that do hit don't uh, uh, don't hurt anything. Uh, your response is going to be you know, probably proportional to that. Or it's going to be delayed. It's like, okay, they had their little fun. This is their little show, and here's what we're going to do in response, which may be something, it may be nothing, it may be a little bit of, you know, a little bit of both, where it's uh, just kind of a, we don't like being fired upon, here's another rocket, you know, uh, f- uh, for your uh, for your trophy case. Or it may be just, okay, let's de-escalate this thing right now so that we don't have to launch ourselves into something bigger. I still don't understand why we didn't fire back. Uh, again, because we don't make uh, decisions on on what where to strike and what to strike on a moment's notice, we have to. Don't you want our our leaders to be contemplative? Don't you want our Pentagon to be contemplative to see exactly what was done to us before we uh, make a decision on how to respond to it? Well, I guess I just don't know how how close were those things to our military. Well, obviously not close enough to have any casualties or any injuries. Okay, right. I uh, you know. I would figure that uh, eventually they they would put one on your head. They knew where they were coming from, and uh, well, Ralph, you know, I, would... I, I think I think I think you're I think you're you're completely misunderstanding what's going on over there. We're not in a war zone, you know. I mean, if if this were if this were World War II or even Vietnam or anywhere else, if 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 we were you know on different sides of a hill and somebody is firing at us or mortaring us or dropping bombs on us, we knew where it came from. Of course, we'd be firing back because we would be in a war. We're not in a war zone. I mean, you know, technically, we are in Iraq for the purposes or from the leftover uh, decisions of the the Iraq war. Uh, but we are being attacked not by Iraqis in this case. We are being attacked from within Iran, and we're not in an actual declared war with Iran, so it's not like they fired. we got to fire back right away. It, you know, this, this can almost be considered um, a, a terror strike because they were fired by Hezbollah in Iran, uh, not by the quote-unquote officially sanctioned um, uh, Iranian military, and it's being considered basically a show. And now we have to decide how do we how do we respond to that show? This isn't an instant. Hey, they fired at me immediately. Fire back. Um, that's not how it's working here. Because again, we're not in a war zone. If this were a war zone, if there were a declared war, hell, we probably would have blown up any uh, um, bases from which they could launch attacks, so that they don't launch another one against us. In my opinion, my friend, and I appreciate your call. In my opinion. 
what the president, what our uh, uh, Defense Secretary Esper, what our other military leaders are doing is the right thing. They are treating this not as a you know a tit for tat battle because that's what gets you into a full on ground war. Rather than treating this as a tit for tat battle, um, they are being deliberate. They're being contemplative. They're being considerate of the circumstances. They're being considerate of the intentions, whether or not those intentions were just to put a show on to say, hey, we had to do something because you killed Soleimani. Now we're done. Now we're even. Let's move on with our days. Um, and we have to decide if a response that is disproportionate to a missile attacks that kill no one, if a response that kills a whole bunch of people in Iran isn't something that is going to be in to our detriment rather than our best interest going forward. We don't just fire back indiscriminately. We've got to consider where those rockets came from, what were their, or the missiles rather, not rockets. It matters. The difference is, is important. Figure out where those missiles came from and what was their intention. If the intention wasn't to kill anyone, do we not maybe just end this now and say no more deaths until we see where things go from here? I would rather have our leaders be contemplative and deliberate rather than uh, flying off the handle immediately and saying, oh, there's a rocket attack. Fire back. That's not the it's not the place we are right now. All right. It's 930. We're going to get a time out here. I got more calls coming, but I also have a conversation with the uh, um, Ohio Republican Party chair, uh, Jane Timken. She's going to be joining us next on AM 1420. The answer. Been down a broken road now. I've been through that fire. All right, 935, we continue on AM 1420. The answer, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. We're scheduled to talk with Ohio uh, uh, GOP Chair Jane Timken coming up in a few minutes. Well, actually, coming up right now, so uh, we'll try to make that happen. If we don't make that happen, we will move on because there is a lot of stuff that we do need to talk about. Uh, I, I, the reason we're going to have her on, obviously, it's kind of odd because we are dealing with this international situation now with Iran and what it means going forward. But uh, we do want to talk about some things that matter directly to Ohioans, including the fact that Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has caved. Um, shocking here. Mike DeWine acting like nobody's conservative governor because he's not a conservative governor. I've talked to him about this before. Uh, and I'm told we do have the uh, chair of the Ohio uh, Republican Party, Jane Timken, on the line now. Uh, Chairwoman Timken, good morning. How are you? I think we had this conversation before. You're okay with Chairman Timken, right? Yes. Okay, Chairman Timken, thanks very much. It's good just morning. easier to say that way. How are you? I'm sure. wonderful. Thank you. Happy New Year. I appreciate you coming on with us. Oh, right. Thank um, you. Glad to be here. A couple of things that I wanted to talk about with you. I was just starting to set up the uh, the Governor DeWine decision on a couple of fronts that uh, I wanted to get your perspective on. Now, I know you're not uh, in the Governor's meetings and making decisions on his behalf, uh, and so maybe you can speak to this somewhat. Maybe you can't. But uh, I know there are a lot of people, uh, conservative Republicans in our state, who heard the, the Governor announce that he would, and he told the Trump administration, giving them written consent to permit the continued uh, refugee resettlement of the state of Ohio. Uh, I know this is concerning to a lot of people for a lot of reasons, especially those uh, considering the types of refugee resettlements we are seeing in other states and the impact, the disproportionate impact that they are having on, uh, you know, the populations are having on grants, federal grants, funding, uh, representation, and so on and so forth. And uh, moreover, when uh, individuals are resettled in various states over the period of t- over a period of time, uh, voting uh, blocks change as well. So there are a lot of people who feel like this is not the time. The Trump limitations on refugee resettlement is something we should stick to. Why is Governor DeWine opening up the state of Ohio for more uh, refugee resettlement? 
Well, look, I don't know all the facts, but as I understand it, um, this was the Trump administration asking certain states if they'd be willing to take these refugees. And what I want people to understand is that these are not, um, you know, aliens, immigrants, illegal immigrants coming across the border. Um, these are people who have been designated and vetted as political um, refugees seeking asylum. And uh, the Trump administration has asked certain states if they'd be willing to take people. And the governor um, said, yes, uh, I think, look, I don't think it was an invitation. I don't know if that's necessarily the right characterization. I don't think the president said, hey, will you take these people? He said we are going to limit refugees coming to the United States more so than at any time in recent history. And the only way he will allow them is if states request it and come to him with a written request to say we want to take these people in. So I don't think it was an invitation from Trump to, hey, will you guys please take these people? Um, okay. I, I think I think the state of Ohio is one, and I know by the way, Governor Dewine is one of dozens. He's not the only one, but he's the only one that we care about right now because we're here. Uh, but but he he had to write a written uh, request from the president or to the president to the Trump administration more specifically to say, yeah, we want to take refugees in. And I guess I'm just wondering why, given the fact that generally speaking, refugee resettlement leads to uh, more uh, resources being used, more of, of our taxpayer resources, whether they be for health care, for education, for housing, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, when they get here, they can't just wait, sit and wait. They they're going to take jobs, and those jobs. Jobs are going to, of course, uh, you know, be jobs that may or may, may have gone to Ohio residents and, and actual Ohio and American citizens. So I guess why the reach out by by the governor to say, yeah, let's bring in uh, let's bring in a bunch of people here to the state of Ohio that we don't have to. Well, I think first of all, as I was trying to say, I think these are people who have been vetted um, and to allay concerns of people that these are. Uh, potential terrorist or someone who is going to do social damage to our state. Um, I do understand people's concerns that um, it's that uh, an inf- overwhelming influx of refugees to the state could cause some disruption. Um, I think that, uh, look, we're a compassionate country. We take people in, um, but at the same time, in my personal opinion, we need to vet people to make sure that they come into this country for real political refugees asylum. Um, you, you know, I have not talked to the governor about this. I don't know what his rationale and reasoning for it. I think, though, that we have to be very careful to jump to conclusions as to why certain people make decisions. And I think that, um, look, as I said before, we're a compassionate community, but at the same time, we need to make sure that we're protecting U.S. citizens and um, the prosperity and safety of U.S. citizens should be paramount. Uh, Chairman Timken, let's, uh, speaking of safety, let's talk about strong Ohio. Um, the governor is touting this bill, uh, which includes, as you know, and we've talked about before, and I talked to the governor about this before, gun reforms, uh, and gun rights. And he is trying to find a way to strike a balance between, um, protecting people from, uh, illegal gun violence to not violating people's Second Amendment rights. But to my understanding, the strong Ohio bill, once again, though, does put people at the mercy of at least their family members um, when it comes to uh, a, a ver- maybe a watered-down version of, of what are called red flag laws. Um, it, is the governor prepared to, to sign a bill that tells Ohio gun owners that you can't own a gun if somebody in your family says you can't? 
No, I don't. Look, I don't can't speak for the governor, but I will tell you that the um, key component that has been proposed in this legislation is the due process. And that is very different from other red flag laws in other states. This um, proposed legislation is very different from um, what other states have passed. Uh, first of all, this is not the type of legislation where your family member or your neighbor can just call up and say, hey, Joe's acting crazy down the street. You better go take his guns away. There's a whole due process that's been set up that a judge will actually order that these guns be taken out. The, um, per- the gun owner will have the opportunity to have a hearing. Um, so I think that it- it's it's a little bit more complicated than people are making it out to be. Look, it's also I, a little more expensive. Are, it's a little more expensive. It's a little more. Sure. It's a little more wrong That's, because what you describe as due process, and I do get that th- there must be due process at the at the at the uh, allegation of a family member of somebody not being stable enough to own a weapon. Now this person has to, as you say, request hearings. They have to go to court. They have to convince a judge of their ability to do something. And, and most of that has to be done with representation. So we're forcing people to hire lawyers to go and defend their, their constitutionally protected Second Amendment rights all at the whim of some family member or somebody who says, hey, I don't think they should have a gun. I just find that really, really cumbersome to Ohio citizens uh, if, if they have to, uh, if they have to, you know, partake of all of those services, all of that time. You got to take time off of work to go to hearings, consultations with lawyers, writing checks out of pocket to pay for that representation. It's just that's not what the Constitution says, right? But these are situations where there's a potential imminent harm to themselves or to others, and so I think that these will be rare instances. Um, the uh, law enforcement's not going to react to someone who says that. Um, you know, my husband gave me a dirty look, and he has a gun. These are serious situations, um, and I think. How do, how do we know that? Who, no, but listen, how, how do we know that? How do we know what serious means? Well, that's what the judge will have to determine. Look, we have the situation in the shooting in Dayton that the governor is trying to come up with a so- rational solution. Look, I'm a, I own guns. I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. I believe in the right to defend myself, and I believe in others' rights to defend themselves. But we need to make sure that people who are mentally ill, who are, look, most of these people who commit these crimes are are in serious mental illness. And I think that we have to have some mechanism in our society to make sure that that person is safe and the people that live in their home are safe and the people that are in their community are safe. So I, look, I don't I, think anybody disagrees that we want safety, but but again, right. we, we, we want people to not have their rights violated. Dragging somebody into court because of somebody else's determination of what, I, of what they consider to be quote-unquote serious enough to call law enforcement. I mean, um, you know, you, you just said that law enforcement will determine whether or not it's warranted, whether it's serious enough. But then when I said, how do we know if it's serious enough, serious enough you say, well, the judge will have to decide that. That means we are prior to determining or determining, excuse me, whether or not it's serious. We are already dragging this person 
person through an expensive legal uh, process. And, uh, and, and, and that's the part that I think I, I, I'm really hoping that the governor reconsiders here. Uh, you, you cannot, we, we, we don't have the ability to tell ahead of time what somebody is going to do. And that's what he is essentially asking, uh, uh, you know, the, the people of this, of, of this state to do, to predict who's going to be a danger and head that off before they can become dangerous. And I don't know that that's possible. Or constitutional. Well, I, well, and, and we will find out. Um, obviously, this legislation is percolating in the state legislature. Um, I think our Republican legislators are going to have hearings on this and deliberate on it. Um, I, I think that there has to be a fine balance between all of this. And I hear what you're saying in terms of the undue p- potential undue burden on folks. Um, this legislation has to pass constitutional muster and make sure that people's Second Amendment rights aren't violated. Uh, we're talking with the ORP Ohio Republican Party Chair Jane Pimkin this morning on AM 1420, the answer about a host of things involving our governor. And also, let's talk about the Ohio General Assembly, and particularly the state Senate. A uh, news report came out yesterday that the ORP is about to formally endorse uh, State Representative Bill Reinecke in the Senate campaign uh, for the 26th uh, District uh, against Melissa Atkinson. And I'm wondering if you can tell me, is that true? And if it is, can you tell me how uh, that decision was made? Well, first of all, no endorsements have been made. Um, and I will tell you that we have the most transparent endorsement process that we've ever had for the ORP. We um, got the list from both the House and Senate caucus for their preferred candidates in open primary seats. It is not a done deal that those candidates will get the endorsement. Um, each of the Central Committee members got that list on December 27th. They then had the opportunity to go back to their communities where their central committee district is, talk to their folks. We have other um, counties that disagreed with the caucus's assessment. They are actively campaigning to the central committee uh, against that endorsement. Um, Melissa Atkinson has the opportunity to go to central committee members, have them advocate uh, either for her own endorsement or against an endorsement. Um, I'll keep in mind that any endorsement requires two-thirds of the committee to vote in favor of that endorsement. We have a fair, open, and transparent process. It is not a done deal that any endorsement has been made. Those decisions will be made by the Central Committee on Friday. And I would love to just talk about the great thing that's going to happen on tomorrow is the president's coming to Ohio to do a big rally. And I think that's the best thing that's going to happen in the next 48 hours in Ohio. Yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, time in Toledo, especially given what is going on nationally and internationally, obviously, with Iran. Do you expect that the president will address Ohioans' concerns at this rally, or, or will he talk about the, uh, uh, the ongoing uh, uh, tit-for-tat with Iran right now? I'm sure he'll address some of it. Um, obviously, you know he's going to talk uh, today about uh, uh, the events that happened uh, in the last uh, 24 hours in Iran, but he's going to talk about his great accomplishments the 7 million jobs that were created, the incredible numbers of manufacturing jobs, uh, the USMCA, the um, new deals with China, uh, the growth in wages for most of our lower-income folks, uh, the tax cuts that have spurred economic growth. Uh, On and on in terms of his investment in military, reforming veterans' affairs, 
making sure that America is first and America is strong. And I'm sure that um, he's going to talk about all of those things of promises made and promises kept and why he will be reelected in November. Uh, will you be in uh, Toledo with the president? I will be. I will be speaking. Will Governor uh, DeWine be there as well? I don't know the final list yet. Okay. Okay, good. Well, we're looking forward to seeing that happen. Uh, but, but just to clarify before you go, um, the report then that was, uh, uh, that was put out by TiffinOhio.net yesterday uh, about that endorsement of that state Senate race, you're saying that is inaccurate? That is inaccurate. The endorsements okay. have not taken place. Okay, very good. Uh, Chairwoman uh, Jane Timken, Chairman Jane Timken, uh, Ohio Republican Party, thank you so much for coming on. There's a lot of local and statewide issues, of course, that we continue to watch very closely, and I appreciate you coming on. Enjoy the president in Toledo tomorrow. Thanks. Let's keep America great. Amen. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much, uh, Chairman Timken. That's uh, Ohio Republican Party Chair Jane Timken joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, I know there's a lot of people like, why are we doing this now? We're talking about Iran. Are we on the verge of World War III? This conversation uh, is extremely important because Mike DeWine is about to sign a strong Ohio bill if they can get this thing passed. Uh, this is what he is pushing that does indeed include some variation of red flag laws that have a lot of people on edge uh, with reasons that I explained to to the chair, uh, as well as uh, a couple of other things uh, regarding the state and uh, state senate races and more. So we needed to have that conversation, and in fact, we need to have that conversation more and more. And uh, we're going to do our level best to get uh, Governor DeWine back on the program and uh, to talk about these issues. But for now, it's 951. We'll take a quick time out and come back to your phone calls on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward we roll on AM 1420, The Answer. Coming up in uh, about 40 minutes, we'll call it, at about 1035, a conversation with former Congressman Tom Tancredo, who is going to talk about the uh, Iranian conflict and its potential impact on the homeland, uh, because he is a very, very... um, uh, important player in uh, the issues surrounding uh, border enforcement and immigration in this country. He represents an organization that is dedicated to making sure that our border is secure and safe. And specifically, he's going to talk about the potential threat of Iranians who find their way and make their way to our southern border within a, a goal of crossing uh, into the United States illegally. And then Lord knows what from there. Would there be an on-American soil uh, retaliation for the killing of Suleimani. We're going to talk about that with Tom Tancredo coming up at uh, 1035. Uh, by the way, speaking of Iran, real quick before I go to the phone calls, um, it is looking more and more, and we'll see what the president has to say about this, but it's looking more and more like the Iranian missile strikes yesterday, last night, um, on 15 sites in, uh, or 15 missiles fired anyway at a number of sites in Iraq 
targeting U.S. forces and coalition forces, but essentially being harmless because none of them hit where they were supposed to hit and none of them did any damage, no casualties. It is beginning to look as though all they wanted was to be able to save face and now they want this to end. How do I know this? There is a tweet from Javad Zarif, Foreign Minister of the Islamic Republic of Iran. He's a blue check marked Twitter verified. This is a Twitter verified account with 1.4 million followers. The Foreign Minister of the Islamic Republic of Iran, which essentially makes him like our Mike Pompeo, their State Department representative. He tweeted last night, 12 hours ago, quote, Iran took and concluded, that's a key word here, concluded proportionate measures in self-defense under Article 51 of UN Charter, targeting base from which cowardly armed attack against our citizens and senior officials were launched. We do not seek escalation of war or war, but will defend ourselves against any aggression. End quote. That's it. Uh, read into it what you will, but here's what I read. We did something that was proportionate, meaning we didn't hit anybody, we didn't kill anybody, but we did it in self-defense under Article 51 of UN Charter because you killed Soleimani, your cowardly armed attack against our citizen and senior official. You, you killed Soleimani. We now consider it over. We took and concluded proportionate measures. It's a conclusion now. We're done. We killed an American contractor and we attacked your embassy. You killed General Soleimani. We now can, and so we fired some rockets that didn't hurt anybody. So we now consider the matter closed. We're concluded. We don't want war. Please don't bomb us back to the Stone Ages. That's what, that's what I'm reading from the Iraqi foreign defense minister. Or I'm sorry, foreign minister. I'm sorry, you're not Iraqi. It's, it, you know how that goes. Iranian or Iranian. Foreign Minister of the Islamic Republic of Iran saying that we don't want this to go any further. Please, let's end it here. What will the President of the United States do? Only time will tell. Uh, Let's go to the phones, and David is in LaGrange. Hi, David, go ahead. Yes, Bob, I have to agree with you on this uh, missile attack conducted by Iran. I think basically they are flexing their muscle, saying, hey, look what we can do, look what we're doing, we're tough. And they also know that the left, and when I say left, I mean in the media and the Democrat Party and Hollywood, might as well lump them in there. They know that they will condemn it. Not their attack, they'll condemn Trump. So they're basically using that as their propaganda to get, you know, the anti-war people drummed up in this country to split this country in half on all this military action. Well, this country is going to be split in half on anything and everything having to do with President Trump. Uh, I, I read a few uh, uh, articles uh, that essentially said the decision to kill Soleimani was the right one, but it was made by the wrong commander-in-chief. The, the liberals do not necessarily like Soleimani. The Democrats don't necessarily believe that we shouldn't have killed him, but it shouldn't have been Donald Trump who killed him, because now they can't praise it. They can't say that was the right thing to do, because to give Trump credit for anything is something they're absolutely unwilling to do. I think it's in their charter. I think they wrote it in their charter. Never shall Donald Trump be praised. We, we joke about this all the time. If he cured cancer, they would, they would want to impeach him for putting a, a bunch of doctors out of work. That, whatever, they, whatever they do... 
Whatever he does, rather, they're going to find a negative on it and not praise him. Beth and Ashtabula is next. Hi, Beth, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, I wanted to address this refugee business with the governor. I was really, really upset when I heard that the other day. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, you know, I, I don't understand his way of thinking. I also am furious about the fact that so few Christians have been brought in. You know, the, the cradle of Christianity, they've been facing a genocide over there. They are afraid to go to the U.N. camps. It's not safe for Christians in the U.N. camps. So, consequently, they're not getting, you know, they're not the ones that the U.N. is sending to us. And we know what the U.N. is sending to us. And it's not working out very well. It hasn't worked out very well with the Somalis in Columbus. And I'm furious. You know, I, I don't know what his thinking is, but he's been disappointing me quite a bit lately. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. Which is what I was trying to express to the chair. Now it's not, you know, it's not her fault. She can't, uh, she can't, uh, you know, yeah, make decisions for Governor up. Dewine. Yeah, I, I, I would like her to as well. But again, you know, what you're not going to get is the chair of the party no. speaking out publicly against the governor and thus giving no, ammunition to, and that's unfortunate. to Democrats. It is very unfortunate. But your point, Beth, I'm glad you made, and I thank you for the call, about refugees that we are taking in. Why are they all predominantly of one faith? Why are we not seeking out an opportunity to bring in Christian refugees who are being discriminated against at best and tortured and killed for being Christian in the wrong part of the world at worst. Why aren't we being a little bit more uh, careful about who we are bringing in? Because you're right. Look at look at uh, Minnesota. Look at uh, Dearborn uh, and uh, outside of Detroit, Michigan. Look at the enclaves of quote-unquote refugees coming in here and changing the balance of power for those uh, congressional districts. It, it matters. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.